Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi Danny Landis on Simchat Torah. This podcast was originally published in 2009. We hope you enjoyed this replay. Did you know that Pardes from Jerusalem is now available on Spotify? Follow us there for our weekly parasha episodes. Or you can visit elma.pardes.org for other great digital content. Good Yom Tov to everyone. You're supposed to rejoice in your holiday. And Maimonides has a whole, whole explanation, goes into the depth what this uh, rejoicing is. And in his uh, Mishnah Torah, his epic work, his opus of Jewish law, he gives us much to ponder. He tells us that certainly for the Sabbath, we have the notion of kavod va'oneg, of honoring and, and enjoying, which has to do with preparation, has to do with kind of ease during the day. And that's included on the holiday and the festivals, on the Chag. But the Chag has something else, the Simcha that I'm talking about. And he seems to have a narrative. He talks about the days of the holidays, uh, seven days of Passover, that's seven days in, the, in Israel, eight days of Sukkot, which includes Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah, which are two days in the diaspora, one day combined in Israel, uh, are all days in which you're not allowed, at the very, to begin with, to give eulogies, you're not allowed to fast. In fact, if there is a funeral, you're not allowed to give a eulogy. The mitzvah of the day is to rejoice. And how do we rejoice? It's uh, very interesting. You're supposed to be internally, you're supposed to be happy and with a good heart. But who is that? He and his wife, it's directed towards a man, it's the same mitzvah to a woman, it's going to be he, the woman, and the man, and their children, and their grandchildren, and whoever's part of the extended family. As it says, And this is, I should have mentioned, this is in Chapter 6 of Repose on the Festival, Shvitat Yom Tov, Number 16. So the entire family is supposed to be happy. Now, he has a technical problem. The verse, when it says, has a specific reference to the korban shlamim, the peace offering, or the complete offering, which was offered by the individual family, and part was burned on the altar as if to God, as it were to God, and part was shared by the priests, and part, and the majority part, was eaten by the family, kind of a, a roasted barbecue. But nonetheless, that we know that we're supposed to have the Korban Shlomim, and today we have no sacrifice. There is a subsection of this Simcha, or there is something that's part of this overall principle. There's a set. That each one of the members of his family should rejoice in the manner that's appropriate to themselves. In other words, the Korban Shlamim is important 
but it's not the be-all and end-all. Simcha is still possible, and there are other manners. So the question is how that is done. Rama says it's specific to the individual. Kesad, how do you do this? The children should be given parched ears of corn, meaning the parched grain, I mean, all sorts of uh, nuts and other dainties, stuff that kids love to eat. And what about the women? They should have clothes, new clothes, and pretty trinkets bought for them according to their means to the means of those giving them. And here again, it's specific to women in this gender specification. But if men love to wear uh, beautiful clothes, same thing. Man can buy a new, a new tie for Yomtov, a new suit if possible. And men should eat. Basar Vayayim should be given meat and drink. Because ain't simcha alba basar There's no real rejoicing without meat eat, and wine to drink. I'm married to a vegetarian. This has been endless discussion. But the point is, is that these are means towards the end. They start from a very specific human need. Kids seem to love all sorts of chazarai, as we call it, all sorts of nasharai, better term, all sorts of fun snack food. Women still seem to enjoy new clothes, gives them a little boost, and men still like to have a steak and beer. This could be done in other ways, but the physical ways are there, and that is how the simcha begins. In fact, of course, we see an extension. It's not just how you enjoy it. The mitzvah is not here in terms of what you do for yourself, but what you do for your family. But then the Rambam takes a leap, which is unbelievably important. He eats and drinks. Talking about enjoying sitting in the sukkah or sitting other holidays at the table. When he eats and he drinks. He has to give and feed. He must feed to make sure that they rejoice. The stranger, the orphan, and the widow. With any other wretched, that's a very, very stark term, Wretched, alienated, forgotten, poor. All those in which society seems to forget, in which the holidays in many ways are a torture because they are on the outside, because they don't have what that is part of what we're supposed to do. But a person who locks the doors of his courtyard, he gets in his elevator, goes up to his penthouse, he goes into his beautiful split-level house and just just closes the latch, and he and drinks along with his family. What could not be more beautiful? He's sitting there at a young table. What could not be more beautiful? But he does not give food and drink to those who are poor and those who are bitter in spirit. They may have money, but they're bitter in spirit and they're alone. Uh, what he's doing at that table. It's not like he's just neglecting a mitzvah. But actually what he's doing at the table, what he's doing in his sukkah, is that is not a simcha of a mitzvah. It's not the rejoicing within the mitzvah or rejoicing as a mitzvah. Ella, but rather, it is a simcha. What type of simcha? Ella simchat kreso, but rather, it's the simcha 
of his stomach, a stomach simcha, a boich simcha, as we would say in Yiddish. And that is worthless. And not only worthless, it's morally offensive. And therefore, that is why it is said in Scripture, their sacrifices shall be to them as the bread of mourners. All that eat thereof shall be polluted, for their bread is for their own appetite. They're eating for their own stimcha. It is actually a disgrace. Their bread is only for their own self, their own soul. And this type of simcha is actually a curse. It's a disgrace. And I will spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your sacrifices. Can you imagine? So here we have a really interesting, uh, almost paradox. Uh, simcha starts very material things. What makes you happy in a very physical way? Snacks, good food, drink, pretty things to wear. And you include your family. You might think you're generous by including your family. In fact, including your family and making them happy seems to be part of the mitzvah, not only part of the mitzvah, the most important part of the mitzvah, but it's not the, the, the most important part of the mitzvah. The most important part of the mitzvah is to make sure that the other, the alienated one, is brought in. And therefore, at our sukkah, we need to bring in, in a very good way, in an easy way, those who don't have the means, those who don't have a place to go, those who are more nefesh, bitter in spirit. That is a type of simcha which uh, transforms us. This principle is a principle that Maimonides continues uh, elsewhere, the principle of inclusion. There's a section in, in his, uh, later on in his guide, excuse me, in his code, Gifts to the Poor, Matanot Evionim, that he talks about how to give stucca, a totally different type of conversation, of really stucca. And, and he says in giving a stucca, even if you give a tremendous amount of money, even if you give a poor person a, a treasure, but if you do it in an ill-mannered and downcast glance, in a kind of gruff and alienating way, actually the mitzvah is lost. You need to give it the saver ponim yafot uvesimcha umitonein imel kotsarato. When you give it to the poor person, you must give it with wholeheartedly. Saver ponim is good grace, uvesimcha and with joy. And you should sympathize with him in his plight. This has always bothered me. I can understand giving him good grace. I understand the notion of being sympathetic, of course. But where's the simcha? But now we understand where the simcha is. The simcha is a simcha of inclusion. I'm happy to be with you. I'm happy that I'm able to do something here. It's nothing what I'm doing, but I'm it's a privilege for me. I'm happy just to be with you. We bring people to the table, or we make sure that they can sit in their own sukkah. The notion has to be a generous notion in which we understand that this is bringing simcha to ourselves. Growing up in a certain type of family and looking at my grandparents, and looking at the type of life that they lived, and that those who were influenced by them, surrounded them, lived. It was a simcha to have the children to have snacks and to give the children Dainties, and it was a simcha to have new clothes for Yanta, and a simcha to have a wonderful, wonderful meal. 
But for them, the greatest simcha was to have people at their table who, who needed to be at the table. And by needing to be at the table, that itself brought great joy. It's a simcha of inclusion, and that is the simcha that we look forward to at the end of time, in which we all will gather in that great sukkah, when we all gather in that great last dance of, uh, of the righteous, wish you all a wonderful Yom Tov and a wonderful year. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast today. Be sure to visit us on Spotify, where you can subscribe to any of our other podcast channels, or visit us at elmod.pardes.org. Thanks for listening.